The following is a sermon from Pastor Timothy Borman and Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. Since August, we've been going a little bit at a time through Genesis 12 through 25, and believe it or not, we are drawing near to, to the end of our sermon series here on Genesis 12 to 25. And I do want to invite you, this is a little bit of a, a repeat story. This is, we're going to see Abraham fall into the same exact sin that he fell into in Genesis chapter 12. And so I'm not going to focus on Abraham again, but I do want to invite you, if you missed that sermon by any chance, go back and listen to it. And, and in there we discuss lies and things like that and how damaging they can be. But here today, I want to I move into Abimelech. And I, before we do that, though, I want to read to you from Genesis chapter 20. So if you're at home listening in on Zoom, pull out your Bibles and go to Genesis chapter 20. And if you're with us here, um, we're going to be on page 11 there in your bulletins. And here's what God's Word gives us today. Now, Abraham moved from there into the region of the Negev and lived between Kadesh and Shur. For a while he stayed in Jer, and there Abraham said of his wife, Sarah, she is my sister. Then Abimelech, king of Jer, sent for Sarah and took her. But God came to Abimelech in a dream one night and said to him, you are as good as dead because of the woman you have taken. She's a married woman. Now Abimelech had not gone near, so he said, Lord, will you destroy an innocent nation? Did he not say to me, she's my sister, and didn't she also say he's my brother? I've done this with a clear conscience and clean hands. Then God said to him in the dream, yes, I know you did this with a clear conscience. So, and so I've kept you from sinning against me. That is why I did not let you touch her. Now return the man's wife, for he's a prophet, and he will pray for you, and you will live. But if you do not return her, you may be sure that you and all who belong to you will die. Early the next morning, Abimelech summoned all his officials, and when he had told them all that had happened, they were very much afraid. And Abimelech called Abraham in and said, What have you done to us? How have I wronged you that? You have brought such great guilt upon me and my kingdom. You have done things to me that should never be done. And Abimelech asked Abraham, what was your reason for doing this? Abraham replied, I said to myself, there is surely no fear of God in this place, and they will kill me because of my wife. Besides, she really is my sister and the daughter of my father, though not of my mother, and she became my wife. And when God had me wander from my father's household, I said to her, this is how you can show your love to me. Everywhere we go, say of me, he is my brother. Abimelech brought sheep and cattle and male and female slaves and gave them to Abraham. And he returned Sarah, his wife, to him. And Abimelech said, my land is before you. Live wherever you like. To Sarah, he said, I'm giving your brother a thousand shekels of silver. This is to cover the offense against you because 
before all who, who are with you. You are completely vindicated. Then Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech and his wife and his female slaves so they could have children again. For the Lord had kept all the women in Abimelech's household from conceiving because of Abraham's wife, Sarah. This is the word of the Lord. I want you to hear about Abimelech this morning. Specifically because of what he calls himself. He calls himself a man with a conscience. That's what he says. I did it with a clear conscience. And having a conscience is a big deal. It's a really important thing. Even even Disney gets that. You have to go back quite a ways to watch a really classic movie. Do you know the one I'm about to talk about? Pinocchio? The blue fairy shows up and and she brings to half-life, it appears, this, this newly created little muppet of a thing named Pinocchio. And she says, Pinocchio, if you want to be a real boy, then you have to be good and brave and all these different things. And she said, in order to do that, you need to quote, remember, listen to your conscience. And then Pinocchio, who's so precocious in this moment, he says, what's a conscience? And then there's this little cricket standing next to him, Jiminy Cricket. And Jiminy Cricket says something incredible. I'm going to read it for you. He says, what's a conscience? I'm going to try to do it like Jiminy Cricket did. I'll tell you. A conscience is that still small voice that people won't listen to. That's the trouble with the world today. That's the trouble with the world today. That's high praise for the conscience, isn't it? Jiminy Cricket's basically saying, if people would just let your conscience be your guide, then, then 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 the world would be a totally and entirely different place. If if you would just listen to your conscience, then you could be a real boy and you could be a real girl because maybe right now you're not. That's the message of the movie. Pinocchio. Now we're not we're not gonna say that the conscience is the gospel itself. God no. But I do have news about the conscience this morning. Good news about the conscience, bad news about the conscience, and also good news for for all consciences. And I'm not going to give you the choice about if you want the good news or bad news first. I'm going to start with the good news about the conscience. And the good news, the good news is 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 simply this. The, the good news is, is that you have one. Every single one of you here has a conscience, just just like just like a Bimlech did. This innocent pagan man. He's got a conscience, and his conscience is so strong that he he goes up to Abraham and says, is she married? 
No, she's not married. He goes up to Sarah just to confirm, are you married? No, I'm not married. And so when God shows up in the middle of the night in a dream, which is so interesting, and he says to Abimelech, behold, dead. That's what it says. You're dead meat. Because you took a woman that actually is married, Abimelech dead, then Abimelech can say back to God, God, I asked him. God, I, I, I had no idea. God, I did this with a, quote, clear conscience and clean hands. And really, in, in a sense, that's good news. It's good news that Abimelech had a conscience. It led him to try at least do the right thing. Good news this morning is we've all got a conscience. It's like, it's like this meteorite that, that comes beaming down in the mo moment of conception. This divine thing that God gives to every single human being on the face of the earth. It's, it's a meteorite. The, the theologians actually used to call it the remnants of the image of God. You can, even, you can even see it in the Word itself. Sometimes we get it confused with conscience and, and conscience. But the way that you can, you can sort of tell the two words apart is that conscience is C-O-N plus the word science. Do you see it there? Conscience. And science is just this word. Science just means knowledge. And if you, if you tag on the prefix, that's what we call it. It means that we, we know something with, co, right? We do something together with. So we have this knowledge with God, that's what a conscience is, about what is right and what's wrong. It's a conscience. Knowledge with God about what's right and wrong. And so Jiminy Cricket wasn't too far off. What was he when he called the conscience a still small voice? that you can listen to, to know how to be a good boy or a, a, a good little boy. Can you imagine a world where everyone is, lives without a conscience? Can you imagine going to, to public school and what it would be like if nobody has a conscience? Or can you imagine what our streets would be like if nobody's got a conscience? Or can you, remember, can you imagine what the church would be like if nobody has a conscience? You know, sometimes pastors imagine that. The reformers imagine that. What would the church be like if the, nobody in there's got a conscience? And they said it would be like preaching to mules. Or like my favorite one, it would be like preaching to cows staring at a brand new gate. Dead pan faces. We don't care. We're just going to keep on doing it. But the truth of the matter is you have a conscience, and that is good news. You, there's part of every single human being that wants to do what's right. Called the conscience. And I suppose there's, there's many things I could, I could say to you about what to do with that news about the conscience, the fact that you have one. But I'm going to keep it really simple this morning. Really, really simple. And what God is encouraging us to do is to, to, to listen to it. To listen to it. 
to let it speak to you. Now, that's going to mean different things for different people, but probably what it means is that during the week, sometimes, sometimes you got to turn off the TV and stop listening to the radio for just a second and just get real quiet, let it talk. Because if you do, you'll hear it. It also means that you need to learn to identify it in your life. I'm convinced, and you you can maybe disagree with me, but I'm convinced that there's a whole lot of people going to therapy, and they tell their therapist something like this, I don't feel peace. There's something wrong in my life. Like, I feel anxiety about this stuff, and, and, and they talk about the things that they're doing, and the therapist is like, oh, no, it's okay, keep on doing it. But what's really happening is people are repressing the voice of the conscience, see? And what people really need to go talk to their pastor about it, because it's deep, deep down. They'll never get peace until they either tell, they kill the conscience, we'll talk about that in a second, or until they listen. And do what the conscience says. The blue fairy was maybe right. Let your conscience be your guide. But not totally right. Not totally. Because I've got bad news about the conscience too. <laughs> and it's pretty bad news. That, that the conscience is sometimes wrong. That the conscience is sometimes misinformed. That it can't really see. Like some people compare it to, to going around at night with, and you're driving down the road. And if you're blind as a bat like I do, that you're eventually going to run into something and wreck it. That's how blinded the, the conscience can be. If you look at Abimelech's story, you'll see it. I mean, just look at it. He, he goes to Sarah and she's like, are you married? No. To Abraham, are you married? No. But that didn't mean that God would hold him guiltless. A misinformed conscience, a clear conscience doesn't necessarily equate to righteous before God and ignorance is not bliss. See. And if, if you keep reading in the story, what you, what you really found, find out is that this is a marriage that never should happen. Like, like he, on, on the one hand, he respects marriage. He's like, I would never marry a married woman. But on the other hand, he'll be like, I can, I can have a whole mountain of women. He's got a whole harem. This is a marriage that never should have happened. And his problem was that he had a misinformed and misshapen conscience. That's the bad news about the conscience can be wrong. Now, it can be wrong in, in two extremes. Please hold with me on this. This is really important stuff. It can be wrong. There, the conscience can be extremely wrong in two different directions. First of all, the conscience can be wrong because it's weak. That's what the Bible calls it. It's weak. A weak conscience. So, so this is the, the, the conscience. This is the person that walks around afraid, like on eggshells, and they're like, I'm going to sin. I'm about to sin. I'm about to sin. And they begin to call things that are not sin, sin. See? 
It's almost as if the, the conscience is overactive, like a nervous system that's overactive. And you become like the spiritual version of the princess and the pea. And, and so the pea is underneath 10 mattresses or it's 11 or whatever. And you're, and you're feeling the pea and you're like, it's killing me. It's killing me. This is a weak conscience. When you call something that isn't sin, sin. The Bible talks about that. That's an extreme version of the conscience going wrong. But then on the on the, the flip side of the extreme, you have a conscience that's seared. The Bible talks about that. Sear. Now, searing a stake is good. Searing the conscience, bad. It's almost like you take your conscience, you put it in a frying pan, and you sear it so badly that those nerves can no longer feel anything. And all of a sudden, nothing is wrong. The most extreme example of this is the serial killer. And I thought of it because of what's happening, I think, in California. Maybe they got the guy now. But you know what the first kill of the serial killer always is? The conscience. Always. They have to sear it beyond belief. The, this is a little-known story about Pinocchio. Disney cut it out, but you know what Pinocchio did with Jiminy Cricket in the original tale? He was so tired of hearing from the cricket. Crickets are annoying, aren't they? <laughs> Shut up! Pinocchio takes something, throws it at Jiminy Cricket, and kills him. Disney had to take that part out. <laughs> but you can do that. You can sear the conscience beyond belief so that it no longer speaks to you. So th this is the problem. This is the problem. This is the bad news about the conscience. The conscience can be weak or it can be seared. So what do we do? My dad used to say this, and I had a really good dad. He said, son, this was every single time that I thought it was okay to do something when it wasn't. He would always say, son, you need to sharpen your conscience. That's what he'd say. Son, sharpen your conscience. And we need to do that. We need to sometimes sharpen our conscience with the Word of God. What does the Word say? We need to shape and form and sharpen our conscience, just like you sharpen a knife. Sharpen that thing up so that you know what's right and wrong. There was an interview that I heard about, about young people. Maybe you heard it too, that, that young, people, young people say that they don't like going to church because the church doesn't reflect their values. Have you heard that before? The church doesn't reflect their values. And then I heard one young person say this. She said, but the church shouldn't reflect our values. The church should inform our values. And I thought to myself, now I haven't found such faith in all of Israel. That the church with the word as, as a guiding light would, would begin to shape and, and sharpen what we've lost. The Apostle Paul even agreed with this. He, he said this. This is an amazing statement from 1 Corinthians chapter 4. He said, my conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent. 
It is the Lord who judges me. So that's the bad news about the conscience. And we already saw the good news about the conscience. In the end, we need something better, a better salvation than than the conscience. And so I want to end today where this story ends with good news for every single conscience. And you have to go all the way to the end of the story. It's just amazing how the story ends. And ironic, the same, how's Abimelech going to get saved from his, quote, clear conscience? And God says, the very man that you offended is the one who now needs to pray for you. And then he says, when and if he prays for you, I love this, you will be healed. And that's what happened. A- A- Abram gets, gets down on his knees in a moment with God. He says, God, I pray for this man who had a clear conscience, even though I let him, I left him in ignorance. I pray that you would forgive his sins and that you would heal him. And God did. He healed him through Abraham's mediation. And we need this too. Maybe you can see where I'm going. But let's take a step back before we get to Jesus. We've talked about a lot of different kinds of consciences so far. We've talked about repressed consciences, weak consciences, seared consciences. But I want to talk about one final conscience, and it's a bad conscience. It's a troubled conscience. It's a guilty conscience. Even the secular world talks about this. It's the conscience that that you observe in Edgar Allan Poe's great little short story. You know, I'm talking about the telltale heart. We all, I had to read it in high school. And he he kills someone in the poem. And then the police are sitting with him. And he hears in his heart and his head the beating heart of the guy that he killed. Boom, boom. Boom, 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 boom. And he couldn't shut it up. No matter what he did, he couldn't shout it out, shut it up until finally he shouted out, yes, there's a dead man under the, under the panel. I have, he had to get it off his chest because a bad conscience is the worst. Isn't it? It's the worst. You can hardly live with yourself. And I think we've all had them. We've violated our consciences. So what do we normally do? Like, what do, what do we normally, we're like, well, it wasn't that bad. And then we get a crowd of people around us and say, it wasn't that bad. Or, or let's make up for it. I'm going to spend, you know, the next week or, or months or years making up for what we did. That's the only way that we can comfort ourselves just a little tiny bit. The bad conscience. But this story shows us a different way. I've got good news for troubled consciences and bad consciences. Good, good news. Because Jesus is our Abraham. And he goes to the Father 
And spiritually, he gets on his knees and says, Father, will you forgive them because of what I've done? And what I suffered for them. And you know what the answer is? Yes. My son, yes. A thousand times yes, I forgive them. Instead of hearing the boom, boom, boom of the tail, tail, heart, what the gospel says is listen to the tink, tink, tink of the nails that went into his hands and feet, and then know this that by his wounds we are healed. That's what the scriptures say. Maybe you're thinking to yourself, but, but God, could you forgive this one sin that still troubles me today? The answer is yes. By the mediation of our Savior, Jesus, yes. You are forgiven and your troubled conscience healed. That's the good news. That's the good news for all consciences. Let's pray together. Spirit of God, I ask you to, to sharpen consciences here today where they need to be sharpened to help us to hear them more deeply. But most important, I ask you to comfort troubled and guilty consciences with the news, the good news that we are forgiven through the, the atonement of Jesus Christ, our Savior. It's in his great name that we pray. Amen.